I'd like to introduce uh, our guest speaker this morning. Um, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this man. Um, and uh, we go back a long way, and it's a real pleasure, a pleasure to, uh, to welcome Mike Barner to, to come to us. And I'd just like to pray as you come up, Mike. Father, thank you for this man, for his faithfulness to you, for your faithfulness to him and his ministry over many years. We thank you so much for him being here this morning, for the preparation he's, he's put into this, and we ask that you would give us ears to hear that which you'd like us individually to take away from this. We ask for the Holy Spirit's presence now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, John. Well, good morning to you all. Can I just introduce myself? Uh, some of you know me. Uh, I had worshipped here for 10 years from 1986 to 1996 when Alan Butler was the minister here. And then in 1996, I was privileged to take over my own church at Shepparton. Uh, for 21 years, I was the minister there. And then I retired uh, five years ago. And it's lovely. <laughs> but it's lovely to see you. Welcome to you. And uh, I know John and Sarah because they were in a youth group uh, that I used to run many, many, many years ago. And it's lovely to uh, have fellowship with you again as well. If you've got a Bible, will you turn to Psalm 46, please? Psalm 46. I'll be using a lot of biblical uh, uh, scripture references, so um, if you have got a Bible, it is helpful. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountain fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Father, will you bless your word to each one of us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think you'll agree that we live in very turbulent times. You come in here on a Sunday morning, it's lovely, it's like an oasis, isn't it? to come out of the world where everything is falling to pieces. It's absolute mayhem out there. Wherever you look, there seems to be trouble, chaos, upheaval. And Jesus foretold that. Jesus said in Luke 21, 26, in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. And I believe we're living in those last days. There's a lot of signs all around us. And that fear is all around us. There's an uncertainty of what's going to happen, isn't there? We've got the threats of war expanding and all sorts of things happening around us. And God knew that men would get themselves into this state. And that is why he's given us his word. That's why he's given us the Bible. It's a source of comfort, 
understanding and making some kind of sense of this world. What a mess. There doesn't seem to be any hope, but there is here this morning because of Jesus. And it's lovely that the Psalms are so vital to us as well because even in this 21st century with all its technology, the Psalms can still speak into our lives. You see, the problems around us today, I believe, can be covered by something that Scripture has been talking about for many years. I want you to go from here. I don't know about you, but when I, when I go to church and I listen to a sermon, I've got to be honest and put my hand on my heart and say I've usually forgotten it by lunchtime. And that is so sad. So I want to give you two words this morning that will stay with you, not just today, but this week, this month, and the rest of this year. And those two words are this. But God. All right? Just take that in. But God. You see, Scripture shows us time and again that for all the evil around us, for all the lack of hope, people telling us that if we don't change ourselves, there won't be a world in 12 years' time. Yes, there will. Jesus is coming back to this earth. He created it. He's coming back here, and he's going to reign here for a 1,000 years. So you can forget all that nonsense. I want to say this. God reigns supreme. In Genesis, we, we know that God had to flood the world because of the evil that, and that he saved just Noah and his family, didn't he? You probably all know the story of Noah. All the animals were saved. Imagine it rained solidly for six weeks. A bit like a British summer, really. And, and the earth was flooded for five months, the Bible tells us. And I'm sure there were times when Noah and his family must have despaired. Has God forgotten us? And yet we read some wonderful words in Genesis 8, verse 1. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days, but God remembered Noah. You see that? But God. I want those two words to really impregnate into your heart and soul. If you're experiencing something at present that makes you feel that God doesn't understand, or even that he's forgotten you, or that he doesn't care, just remember this. But God remembered Noah. There's the story of Joseph also. Sold as a slave by his brothers, taken to Egypt, and with God's help, achieves great things. Then he became prime minister. But through some treachery, he ends up for over two years in prison. And there must have been times during that time when he thought, does anybody care? Does anybody know? Does anybody remember me? Does God care? But God didn't forget him. And in Genesis 50, uh, there's some lovely, lovely words. And it says this. Joseph said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for your good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So can you see those two words are so important, but God. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the three people who were thrown into the fiery furnace. And they said to Nebuchadnezzar these wonderful words, if you throw us into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it and he will receive us Rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods 
or worship the Im image of gold you have set up. Can you see that word, but? But God changes everything. It's a, a totally different dynamic. You see, I want to say this morning, God knows what he's doing. And despite all you see, all you hear, all you see on the news, all you see on the internet, God is still in control. I think somebody's already prayed that this morning. That's wonderful. But God. I was sent this little uh, bookmark by United Christian Broadcasters, and it says this. If we trusted everything we read in the newspapers, it would be easy to believe that our world is broken beyond repair. We are surrounded by messages that say the end of the world is nigh and the world's fate depends on us. But in the middle of the loud voices competing for our attention, I am filled with hope and expectant for something new that I believe God is going to do. But God, isn't that great? Imagine, imagine the despair of the followers of Jesus when they saw him dying on the cross. They've been with him for those years, just travelling around and enjoying the wonder and beauty of his, of his personality and everything he was doing. And then they see him hanging on that cross. It must have seemed like the end of the world. But you know, as the Apostle Peter preached at Pentecost, he said these words, and if, if you've got your Bible there, turn to Acts chapter 2. These are the most wonderful words. Acts chapter 2, and verses 22 to 24. Peter said this, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him. And as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. The next two words are amazing. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Can you see that? They murdered Jesus. Satan thought he'd had the victory. But God raised him from the dead. And he's alive today. How do I know? Because he's here. He lives in me. And he lives in you, if you were born again Christian. And how important that is. You see, our God is greater than any circumstance. In our turbulent world, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of hurt. And as you look around and read so many problems all around you, can I encourage you to remember those two words? But God. Whatever Putin does, whatever Biden does, but God. How important that is. It changes our whole dynamic of life. See, it's not but world leaders. It's not but science. It's not but human effort. It's but God. So that the Christian believer can experience the words of Psalm 112 verse 7. Listen to these words. Talking about the believer. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. Is that you? Is that you this morning? Is that me? Do we fear? Do we worry? Are we anxious? Jesus said, don't worry. Don't be fearful. Trust me. But God. Do we trust God? 
And I believe the psalmist is saying this in that Psalm 46. Just want to look at three very quick things of what he said. First of all, he said this, God is our refuge. Lovely Hebrew word there for God, Elohim, which means supreme, mighty. Years ago, I watched a film, some of you might have seen, about Moses called Gods and Kings. And at the beginning, the credits were rolling up. And I always remember that it absolutely caught my eye. It said this as it was rolling up the screen. After 400 years of slavery, the Israelites had forgotten their God, but God had not forgotten them. And I remember thinking, that wasn't a Christian who wrote that. But how perceptive was that? God hadn't forgotten them. We read in Genesis 2.24, God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And when we look at Israel today, how important, what a miracle that is. Since 1948, a nation of their own, God had not forgotten them. He brought them back together and they are such an important part of God's plan. Because Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem one day with those who love him. I hope you're going to be amongst them. It's vital that we remember that. God is our refuge. He's our hope. He is the one God. Am I allowed to say that in these politically correct days? He is the one God. Not the false gods of Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism or Sikhism, that are all around us, but the one true God. That's what the church needs to be standing for today, that there is only one God. Let me just invite you, if you've got your Bible, to turn to Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 15. Isaiah 48, verse 15. No, Isaiah 45, verse 18. Try that. Much better. It says this, For this is what the Lord says, he who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. God said that, that he is God and there is no other. Just turn over, Isaiah 46, verse 9. Remember the former things, those long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I don't know about you, but that excites my heart. That excites my soul. That there is one God. And that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who sent Jesus into this world to die for your sin and to die for my sin. It might not be politically correct to say it, but I believe it's true, because he died for each one of us. And he is our refuge. 1 Timothy five verse, uh, 2 verse 5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I want to say this morning, that's the message of the church. One God, one way, through Jesus. Jesus is not just one of many, He's the one and only. Remember that. And the psalmist says that this God is our refuge. I wonder if you find refuge in God, how important it is to know that refuge. As a young boy, I can remember I used to play football in the street. I'm really old now, and you used to be able to play football in the street because there were no cars around in those days. And uh, I can only remember 
uh, my mum saying to me, if you hear a doodlebug go over and you hear the engine stop, you come indoors. And uh, I can remember I used to, when we were playing, we used to hear a doodlebug and it would stop and we would dive under our Morrison shelter and just wait until you heard the explosion. That just goes to show how old I am. I wonder if you're facing a particular problem today. A family problem. A health problem. An insecurity problem. That there's fear. The world says, try these tablets. The world says, speak to this expert. The Bible says, tell God. Tell him how you feel. There's an incredible story in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles 20 about Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. And he was told that this great army had gathered together to attack them. And it was an enormous army and he didn't know what to do. And we read those wonderful words in 2 Chronicles 20. I wish I had time to read the whole chapter to you. Read it when you get home. But he said this to God. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. Can you see that word, but? That word, but, changes everything. But God. Bringing God into everything. He took refuge in God. And God answered him. You read that 2 Chronicles 20. What an amazing story. He prayed. And the enemy turned on themselves and the victory was won. So God is our refuge. Secondly, God is our strength. Like Jehoshaphat, we feel weak sometimes, don't we? We feel vulnerable. I do. Especially like today when so many around us don't believe. Christianity itself is being challenged, isn't it? People don't believe in the creation. People don't believe in the virgin birth. People don't believe in the resurrection. They don't even believe in the Bible. So can I encourage you in the light of but God? We're the ones who have the truth. Christians are the ones who know the truth. And Jesus is the truth. And he is our strength. Proverbs 18 says, The name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. 1 Peter 5 verse 10, I've got it on this sheet here. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Does that describe you this morning? But God. God is our refuge. God is our strength. And you'll love this word. Finally, the third one, God is an ever-present help in trouble. You know the words SOS, the history of SOS, save our souls, how true that is. The Bible clearly shows that whenever we call out to God, it's like an SOS to Jesus. He hears 24-7. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. And there's a lovely psalm that I love to go to whenever I feel a little bit down. And uh, I recommend it to you. It's Psalm 121. I'm going to read it to you now. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 121 and follow this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. 
The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord, Jesus, is watching over you. Not religion, not just church, but the one who loves you so much that he died the most dreadful death for you and for me so that we could be saved. There's a lovely, uh, I found this in a, a little book the other day, lovely little illustration. It says this, according to an old legend, a man became lost in his travels and he wandered into a bed of quicksand. Confucius saw the man's prediction and said, it is evident that men should stay out of such places as this. Next, Buddha observed the situation and said, let that man's plight be a lesson to the rest of the world. And then Muhammad came by and said to the sinking man, Alas, it is the will of God. Finally, Jesus appeared. Take my hand, brother, he said, and I will save you. Can you see the difference? And through Jesus, he has made it possible for us to know him personally. So what's the challenge for us this morning? Can I leave you with those two words, but God? They can change your life. I believe for born-again believers, when we read the papers, when we look at the news on television, rather than being depressed and down, apply those two words, whatever the world throws at us, but God. Do you believe God is supreme this morning? That he's still in control? He knows what he's doing. And one day, if you know him personally, he's going to take you to be with him. But God, I mean, we've all got plans. We've all got things we want to do. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. But God. And can I just say to you this morning, you might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't know whether I know God personally like that. I don't know whether I know Jesus in that personal way. Do you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? If you were to die today, do you know that you would go to be with Jesus in glory? Do you know of an assurance that you are saved and that you've been set free from sin through the blood of Jesus? Not just coming to church, not just reading the Bible, not even just praying, but knowing Jesus personally. There's a very sad verse in Matthew 7 where Jesus said to people, he's going to say to them, I never knew you. Do you know Jesus personally? If God has spoken to you this morning as I've been speaking, if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, maybe this morning, on this day, is the day when you can ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of the sin that's in your life and to know that one day you're going to be with him in glory. I'd like to give you that opportunity. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, if you will. And I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to ask you if you've never asked Jesus into your life before to pray this prayer, not out loud. I don't want to embarrass you, but pray it quietly in your heart and God will hear it. And if you're sincere, he will answer that prayer. Just say these words. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die for me. I know I am a sinner, 
I know that sin separates me from you. And I ask you to forgive me of that sin. Come into my life. Cleanse me from all sin. Wash me clean. Fill me with your spirit. I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And Father, I pray for everybody here this morning. I pray that each one of us may know what it's to be able to say, but God, in every situation. Bless us, encourage us, and just continue to fill us with the joy of Jesus, we pray, in his precious name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, sincerely, and you've never prayed it before, if you come and see me afterwards, I'll just be floating around, not floating, but sitting around, and uh, just ask me for a booklet. It's called Journey Into Life, and it will explain what it means to be a Christian. But for those of you who do know Jesus as your own personal saviour, but God.